You're listening to the Slavic Literature Pod, your shelf-help guide to all things Slavic. I'm Cameron Lalata. And I'm Matt Garrisimovich. And today we're covering part one, chapter 14 of Vasily Grossman's Life and Fate. And today we're moving on from the commanders sort of on the back line. Troikov's pretty close, but really moving to the front line of the fight in Stalingrad and seeing the the battlefield from the eyes of a of a commander and your commander as opposed to, you know, a lieutenant general. And we have an interesting character, Biroskin, who is reviewing the front line along with his subordinate. And despite being pretty chill as the this part mentions repeatedly, they expect him to be acting in a certain way as a commanding officer, but he appears almost not to adhere to that mold until you get towards the very end, the back half of the inspection when he turns to the subordinate he's been traveling with and basically gives him a whole rundown of everything wrong he saw. And then at the final moment reminds him, remember, the Germans are going to attack. And uh, can we start with, that's where what you wrote about for this. So that's what's standing out to you most. You want to start talking about what drew you to this uh, this quote you chose about Bureau's at the end or talking about this element of his character. Uh, yes. So... What I liked about this is that he doesn't necessarily point out everything that's wrong in this sort of regimental, commandorial, if you will, sort of way. He's not saying, you know, you don't have the right number of men staffed on this. You're not doing, you haven't submitted this report. It's not this sort of bureaucratic administrative oversight. It has a lot more to do with how the character of the people in his regiment are performing and how they're being treated. Uh, so it's a much more human approach to uh, what they're doing. And the importance of this is, of course, not because we have paperwork at the headquarters that we need to fill out, but it's because the Germans are coming and everybody needs to be at the top of their game to work on pushing them back. It's not a, you know, we're not going through the motions. I'm not trying to get promoted uh, because your regiment looks really good. There is something life or death that we're all facing together and so it's it, you know it's important to everyone that we're kind of all on the same page and so there's a an element of tension and an element of real real importance in this chapter and so that's what i liked about this and i, I like the way that um grossman kind of portrayed this uh because you know it's sort of um you know it's not the last thing he says it's the it's the second to last thing uh, in between your political instructor is a drunk and I would like some sauerkraut. And so it really kind of bookends that sort of human experience of being in war and preparing in war. And also to setting up sort of a, as the novel is trying to convey to us, like, oh, this is kind of what a good commander looks like. You may have seen many, um, com you know, commanders in fiction who are portrayed as being, you know, hard-nosed for one way or another. And Grossman here is, I think, conveying you know commander who he thought thinks is more you know uh has, has more efficacy than others and as you say it's a very human commander looking after those needs um and also engaging with the sense of humor like when he's saying when he says i would like some sauerkraut that's comes out in the tail end of a cook saying you know oh there's all these weird things that you know regimental commanders want and you know one of them is like oh give him more sauerkraut at this position and you know he kind of ends that whole that whole conversation with his subordinate by saying, and by smirking and saying, I am a superior, so I would like that sauerkraut, actually. So, you know, not only he does have a sense of humor going about it, too. I also want to go over to, uh, you make reference to a painting, Major, the Major's Marriage Proposal, 
uh, by uh, Pavel Fedotov. It's 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 a painting. You know, I I had some notes on this that I wanted to talk about for our, for our main episode, so I won't go too much into this. But it's strange. It's out of place, I would say, and it sort of beckons the reader. Why? Why why are we looking at a painting from the 19th century about a major proposing to a girl who clearly doesn't want to marry him as she's, you know, running off and and running away from the proposal and the matchmaker and these sort of family members huddled in the corner talking about this and the sort of strange, strange scene sort of captured. And why now? Why on, on, on the brink of death? Why are we are we talking about this? And I wonder lots of things why why the 19th century there was paintings going on in the 20th century not exactly this but sure there were paintings um you know does the 19th century seem nostalgic does this era of um domesticity sort of seem out of place or how would you say like um you know insignificant in the face of of death or do they yearn for this era do they think wow this would be great probably not that's probably not what they're thinking um not these characters i don't think um right but we did have a discord user who i really like their interpretation i thought was persuading uh leia from discord is talking about the marriage proposal scene saying that it seems very chaotic more like war than domestic bliss uh they say it looks like the bride or bride-to-be is trying to run away her handkerchief is on the floor some guy in the back is doing up his buttons the titular mayor why do I keep saying mayor? The titular <laughs> major appears almost off screen, possibly grooming himself. It's a strange picture. It seems like another instance of Grossman layering a hint of irony over this scene. Yeah, I like this this idea more war than domestic bliss. I think that was an interesting kind of kind of angle that I, you know, didn't exactly consider. But you know, it's the elements are are a little bit incongruous in a way that the wartime elements also are. So I can completely see where that understanding is coming from and would probably agree with it. That's a pretty persuasive relation there. Yeah. And uh, you do have a a link to it. If you want to look at yourself, uh, what these elements are, there is a link in the, uh, in the write-up for this episode today, which you can also find on our website, slaviclippod.com. Yeah. And I don't know, this sort of first Part of the book reminds me a lot of a painting in in the sense that Grossman is trying to capture this sort of this one precise moment before. And it's an interesting way to think about it. But it is obviously this tension because you can't capture still in Grossman. Grossman, it's it's everything's always moving. There's always new things coming to the fore, interacting with each other, and that's kind of the tension of uh, of this and so i i wonder too like d- does this painting seem does it seem too simple for the circumstances that they're in yes 19th century courtship has nothing to do with fighting the nazis right but is this you know this this precise stuck in time moment does it seem too simple too one-dimensional maybe for the time in which they're living i don't know i'll have to think on it more it's interesting. It's it's for me even a second time reading. It's out of place extremely. So that's why I'm stuck on it. I haven't figured it out yet. By the time we record our episode on this, maybe I will. We'll see. I'm gonna forget about it by the time we record the main <laughs> episode. I have so much other stuff I want to talk about that people we'll are see. gonna get in the Discord being like, "Hey, I thought you said in the daily episode that you're gonna cover this element. Where was that, Matt?" 
Listen here, Matt Garrison, which is one thing I was here to hear. <laughs> I'm leaving you a one-star rating on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> you had 30 straight days. You talked about nothing but Tulsa, and then you had one reference, which is very clearly meant to be in the text, which Grossman included about an uh, artist who is not Tolstoy, and then you didn't address that. <laughs> <laughs> and you did spend a full hour talking about War and Peace again. Oh, no, there I go, talking about War and Peace again. <laughs> <laughs> That's another subtitle for our podcast. um i also wanted to bring in another element this is not a greater uh, point but this is a reader who highlighted a certain line which they liked a lot and this is from uh discord user sally who is highlighting at at a point when a grenade is thrown at bureauskin and lands at his feet and uh, fails to go off and uh, this is the line from the book the grenade failed to explode the shadow that had swallowed up the earth and the sky that had blotted out the past and cut short the future faded away And Sally says, I just wanted to say this is such a beautiful way to describe death. It's one of those sentences that forces you to stop in your tracks and run it over again in your head. Which, yeah, I mean, just such a a compact way of conveying an entire world of emotion without even, I think even just as like a a talking shop, the, the fact that you go immediately, you don't even have time to think, right, once the grenade lands. The grenade lands... Everyone freezes and then it fails to explode. And only then do you even have a moment to to understand the shadow that has enveloped your whole world. I think that's a great phrasing. And also, so also something we should point out, uh, they kind of call, they keep referring, telling Bureauskin how lucky he is. And this is something that's kind of pulled from Grossman's own life where he was often kind of called Lucky Grossman because of how often he would come through such circumstances, including this exact circumstance when he was in Stalingrad, I believe, uh, we might not have been there somewhere on the on the front line. A grenade did land at his feet and then did fail to go off. When he would pull so. grenade pins and uh, take away jerseys <laughs> to whether they would go off, <laughs> and they'd say, "Oh, there's lucky Grossman doing it again, doing it again." <laughs> yeah, so I don't have a deeper point than that. Just I'm just I'm just increasing the counter on every time Grossman includes something that was just something that happened to him in one of his books. Well, it is a 19th century sort of thing, in, in some way, which is this yeah. this perpetual duel with death, which they are all playing, and that's not part of the painting. There's no real duel going on in the painting. But while we're on the 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 topic of 19th century, and while I have a chance to talk about duels, it's kind of like a duel if you think about it. <laughs> okay, elaborate. You know, every moment that they're in in these circumstances where anything can detonate like this bomb and they choose to go out towards it instead of back away from it, right? They're constantly engaging in this this battle with with chance, this duel with fate. Every second of what they're doing is this. Uh and, and it's maybe not always conscious because a lot of the death that we see, it's it's not um this romantic, deliberate, I'm going out to face my death. It's, um, uh, well, I was in my bunkers and I got burned, uh, right. burned to death or multiple people were burned to death. So there's, you know, there's that. So maybe not a perfect one-to-one, but, uh, right. I thought I should jump in and talk about duels because I like duels quite a lot. Well, there's something about the, right. When you're reading dual literature, you, you do always have the sense of, uh, cause it's often being fought by young men. So they got this sort of casual air about this death that they're doing, this dance that they have. Which is also seen here, right? I mean, even when Bureauskin and his subordinate, I forget which one is, another subordinate is crossing, just leaving his bunker for him. And the Germans know that's his bunker. So whenever someone leaves there, they immediately just open fire. Uh, and so, of course, it's the it's it's Bureauskin's, 
it's his privilege to run first before the Germans have truly realized that people are trying to leave. And so they, you know, he and he and his subordinate run across, almost get shot. And uh, you know, the sec I think the second guy remarks, like, ah, I thought he would have after he might have uh, lit up a cigarette after being frustrated uh, by missing you, but guess he doesn't smoke. Damn him. <laughs> that was one of the, that was honestly, if you didn't appreciate it, go back and read that because this is one of the rare moments of comedic relief you're going to get in this book. Yeah. And man, that, that was a funny one. <laughs> it's grim, but this is like the, the grimness and the funniness is, as you know, as usually they coincide with Grossman. Mm -hmm. It's rare to be able to, to do that. It's hard to do that. But it is funny. I also, I again, not a deep point, just Grossman again hammering home the human element of war here um, in the ways that everyone still has to maintain their normal life. Uh, bureaus can specifically make reference to the fact that people who cannot are not able to do those things, are not able to maintain some element of normalcy, are the ones who kind of fail the quickest. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, I'm I'm not a psychologist. I've never been to war. That one kind of tracks for me. All right, coward. <laughs> right. Before the end of this podcast, Matt's going to peer pressure me into joining the military. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll play a little game to see what military I join. Spin a wheel. We'll find out what country yeah. I end up in and where I end up fighting. Um, but you also, had some too, assumption on which which military camera would join. Whatever you thought in your brain at that moment wasn't the military he would join. <laughs> <laughs> um, when Vieroskin's going through and he meets with like a cook and he, they all kind of think he's going to get on them because they're all sitting there eating. Uh, and you know, they note that many superior officers seem to be, uh, it's a strange idea to them, the idea that their soldiers are not being soldiers 24 seven. At some point they have to eat or whatever, but he lets it go. And they're like, it's almost as if he knew that this cook here was, you know, just the night before I'd been buried under rubble and his, you know, his friends there had had to you know, scream his name and dig him out. All these incredibly traumatic events happening just hours before. And now, well, it's, Time to make breakfast and well, everyone's got to eat. So get back to it. And uh, right. Just the, it can, the importance of conveying that element, even in these moments, it brings a depth of feeling to the world by the sense that the story you're following is just one of many, which is, which is the case. Yeah. It's, I mean, in this way, he is, has, has a similar approach to Tolstoy where he's focused on every day. The, the, the Tolstoy the meter. Here it goes. The Tolstoy <laughs> bell. Ring it. He's focused on the everyday. He's focused on these small, minute things, habits, ritual, if you will, th things like that. And I think that more so than Tolstoy, it's fascinating that he's able to do it in the cycle of this narrative because he's not just a boring-ass aristocrat who is in the middle of nowhere trying to get married. There is a lot more going on in the 20th century than that. And yes, they're grappling with some of the same questions, but ultimately, uh, it's amazing that you still feel like you're reading what are these tiny mannerisms of an individual in a narrative that has a scope like this. And so that's where I'd like to leave today, for me at least. Absolutely. I think that's a good spot to go on. One, because good spot. Two, because these episodes are getting long. We have to reel them in. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're speedrunning the entire arc of our podcast in these days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, thank you for joining us. We'll be back again tomorrow. Finally, finally getting to the Shaposhnikov family. See ya. Hey, 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 hey.